the last Sunday in 2020. Here we are, everybody. If uh, you don't know who I am, my name is Devin. I am one of the pastors here on staff at Connect. I'm a teaching pastor, youth and young adults pastor. Uh, wear a lot of hats, but I want to honor our house, our leaders, our pastors. Uh, can you just throw it in the chat? Just be like, we love our pastors. We love our leaders. I'm so grateful for this house. But here's the deal. I want to dive right into it today. If you're watching us online, first of all, we love you. Thank you so much for tuning in. And props to you. Last Sunday of the year, and you're joining us in church. Many people don't do that until next week. And so we just wanted to honor you. Thank you. I believe God wants to say something to you today. And uh, I, I got a really interesting word. It's a little different than normal. I really don't have answers for you. I have questions for you. And I want to ask you a few questions today that, that can give you a little self-reflective and can kind of examine yourself. If you're with me and you have a Bible, if you're in your house or wherever you're watching from, go grab a physical Bible. Go grab your notes. I need you to take a few notes down because this is going to be really helpful for you. So go to Galatians chapter 6. And as you're getting your Bibles, uh, as you're going to Galatians chapter 6, um, can we just talk about how this year was crazy? Like, I think so many of us are so excited to be going into 2021 because we have hope. But here's the deal. And this is what I really want to talk about today. Before you go and get a new word for 2021, make sure you reflect on the year that was 2020. I want to do some careful examination of who we are, how we're doing, and assess the things that has been happening in this world, has been happening in our lives. And I want to learn from this season and that's what I want to talk about. I saw a funny meme on Facebook the other day. It talked about how this year was the longest and shortest year of all time. There has been four months in this year. There has been January, February, quarantine, and December. It was the longest year. It felt like it was seven years, and yet it was only just a couple months, it felt like, at the same time. Since it started in March with the global pandemic, man, this has been crazy. Um, but you made it. We made it past this year. Hope is on the horizon. And I just believe this, not just in faith. I'm not just saying in faith, but I believe it's also fact. Come on, the best is yet to come for all of us in Jesus' name. Galatians chapter 6. I'm actually reading out the message paraphrase. I love how it's phrased. But if you're reading in the NIV or NLT, it says it a little differently. And watch. And uh, starting in verse 4, it says this. Make a careful exploration of who you are and the work that you have been given. Watch, go slow, and sink yourself into that work. Make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you've been given. And sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. Come on, don't compare yourself to others. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. You must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can do with your own life. One more time at the very beginning. Make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you have been given. So watch, it talks about, make sure you take inventory of you first, not what you do. So it's you first, work second. It talks about being, not just doing. And that's what I want to do today. Because um, here's the deal. Here's the thought I want to give you. Or here, I have a few thoughts I want to give, but here's, here's a main encapsulating phrase. Is this, if you want to have biblical results, you must have biblical practices. And one of these practices is this practice and this skill of self-examination. Taking inventory, taking an audit, and looking internally. Reflection. John Maxwell says it like this. Reflection is internal. Evaluation is external. We want to look internally of who you are. Make careful exploration of who you are. Now watch this. Um, here's my title for today. And I worked hard on these titles. So I, I need somebody to just message me, DM me on Instagram, and just be like, that title changed my life, Okay. 
Um, here's the title for the last message of 2020 of this crazy, nuts year. I want to give you this thought, is this. Is this, this title is called The Art of Doing Nothing Well. The Art of Doing Nothing Well. Because um, here's the deal. As how many know, and you know this because this year has proven this, and this is a known fact and a truth, is you can be busy, but it doesn't mean you're effective. You can be having a full schedule, but your life doesn't showcase the fruit of that schedule. Watch this. Here's the, here's the main idea I want to give you, is you can be a success as an American, but you can be a failure as a Christian. May it not be said of any of us, if you're watching online, if you're watching from your home, if you're watching from out of state, may it not be said of you that you're a successful American, but you're a failure as a Christian. May it not be said of us. Father, I pray that this word will be able to sink deep into our hearts. I believe that the word is going to be a good meal today. Help us to reflect, to examine ourselves seriously. I think about the scripture in the Psalms where David is praying. He just said, God created me a new heart. Put in me a new spirit. I pray that over each and every single one of us, that we would not rush into 2021, but we'd examine 2020. Help us to do so and see Jesus today, hear from heaven, and encounter the power of God. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen and amen and amen. I know I'm not alone in this, because this has happened to all of us. We're driving on the highway, right? You're driving 65, 70 miles an hour. You're just a little bit over the mile per hour limit, and you're chilling. you got a couple cars ahead of you. you got a couple cars behind you, and you're just relaxing. So you're driving hand on the wheel. you got some music cranking. I'm in my Kia Seltos, my wife's Kia Seltos. i got my buns toasted. I'm feeling good, feeling good. And then you start driving, and all of a sudden ahead on the left, you see a little divot in the road where normally a cop would park. And so you get closer and closer, and you're like, oh, there's no cop in there. And all of a sudden, you pass by, and you see the front of the cop car, and immediately everything goes in front of your eyes. You start for, you know what I'm talking about. I know so many of us have felt the same feeling, because it's a human feeling. You see the police right there, and you're all of a sudden like, wow, I, I'm pretty sure I'm a delinquent. I might have drugs I'm smuggling in the backseat of the car. Like, you, you think that, you're like, no, I'm good, I'm good, I'm a clean person. So you're freaking out. You're like, uh, are they going to catch me? Am I like, did I do something illegal? Am I going over the speed limit? And you take inventory of all the stuff that you're going on, all the stuff that's going on in your life. And you're like, please, 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 for the love of Jesus, do not pull me over. And here's just a little, little piece of advice. If you're driving by a cop and you make eye contact with a cop, you're guilty. There's no question about it. If you make eye contact with a cop and literally you're driving by and you look left and the cop makes eye contact with you, you're guilty. I'm sorry, but you definitely killed somebody. You got a body in the back. I don't know what it is, but you're guilty. Don't look at the cop. Look straight ahead like an eagle. Just focus straight ahead. So drive by the cop. Two hands on the wheel. Come on, 10 and 2. We, knew, we learned this in driving school. Teacher's Driving Academy. Come on, everybody. Class of 2010, uh, 2008. So you're driving 10 and 2. Don't look at the cop. Keep looking ahead. And this is what all of us do in this moment. When we pass by a cop, we do two motions. We don't move the muscle. We're 10 and 2. We're completely focused, but the two actions we do are this. It's with your eyes. You look down at the speedometer. You're like, okay, I'm 72 miles an hour. I'm like 8 miles an hour over the speed limit. I think I should be good. And then here's the key thing that all of us do. We don't look at the speedometer anymore. We literally go like this. And we're looking in the rearview mirror. But we look in the rearview mirror for a stern six and a half minutes. There's no question about it. All of us have done this. Where we're looking in this rearview mirror and we're just watching to make sure this cop doesn't pull out, turn on his sirens, and he's gunning after you. And this is when all of us 
send prayers to God. God, I will start tithing if you don't let this cop pull me. I can't afford this. I can't get another ticket. All of us have been in this situation in this place. And there's this practice that all of us do in that moment where we're looking back in the rearview mirror and we're checking out the past because we're still going towards our future. This is where we are at in this day and space right now is we are passing by the year 2020. And can we all just collectively say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We made it. We made it. I know it was a crazy year, full of loss, full of trauma, full of drama, full of stuff. We just went through the ringer this year. And so before we're passing by 2020, I want us to make sure we take a look in the rearview mirror and we take an assessment. How's your engine doing? Maybe you got to look back in the past and check out some stuff to make sure that, hey, are you okay? Who's in my passenger seat? Who's driving with me? I think there are a lot of questions that we need to ask reflecting on the year that was 2020. And here's what I want to give you today. It's a simple thought is that you need to learn the power of a pause. The power of a pause. John Maxwell, one of my favorite uh, leadership coaches, he's a guru when it comes to leadership. He says this, he goes, listen, experience, watch this, write this down in your notes, experience is not the best teacher. No, experience is not the best teacher. Evaluated experience is the best teacher. Oh my gosh, I love that word. Evaluated experience is the best teacher because how many know if you don't learn your lessons, you will repeat them. If you don't learn your mistakes, I'm sorry, you will repeat them. If you don't learn from those mistakes, you're, you are going to repeat them over and over again. You've heard me say this before. It, it needs a reminder. There's a difference between a season and a cycle. A season changes with the weather, but a cycle changes when you do. And so many of us just want to pass by this year. I got a word for 2021. It's focus. I got a word for 2020. It's discipline. This year is going to be the best year of my life. Well, it won't be the best year of your life if you haven't evaluated the previous year. Experience is not the best teacher. Evaluated experience is. And I want to make sure we learn the lessons that God has taught us this past year. So do not pass by this year. There is gold in the year that was 2020. I learned so much about myself. I learned so much about my family. I learned so much about my church. I learned so much about my faith in the year 2020. Do not pass by this year. Because listen, if you don't learn from your mistakes, you will repeat them. Let me say it one more time to get it to sink in. If you don't learn from your mistakes, you are destined to repeat them. So we need to take a pause. I want to ask you five simple questions. Five questions that you need to ask yourself. And what does the scripture say in Galatians? Make careful exploration of who you are and then what you do. And sink yourself deep into that work. I want to ask a few simple questions before that. Uh, I've, I've stated a story like this before, but this is a different variation this time. Zion, he loves full body mirrors. Zion's my two and a half year old son. He's a little bit older than that now, but he's growing. He's tall. He's talking. But about uh, at the beginning of this year, we went off to Jacksonville, Florida. And so we were with our family. Uh, I'm with my uncle in love. His name is Chuzeka. Now, for all the white people, Chu means uncle. Chuzeka is my guy. Chuzeka, if you're watching this, you my dude. So we're chilling in his living room, and Zion loves full-body length mirrors. So he runs up to this mirror, and he sees himself. In a previous sermon, I talked about how Zion went into this full-body mirror, and he looks at himself, and he just starts kissing himself in the mirror. And I thought to myself, dude, I want to love myself the way Zion loves himself. This particular time was a little different. Zion's looking in this mirror, and his famous phrase, he's known for this in our family. He always goes, he looks in the mirror, he peps up, and he goes, hi, how are you? It's exactly how he says, hi, how are you? So he's looking at himself, 
and just goes, hi, how are you? I want to ask those questions today. How are you? How are you really doing? But I want to ask from five different vantage points, how are you? So first question I want to ask is this, how is your spirit? How is your spirit? Thessalonians tells us this. Thessalonians tells us that we are a spirit, we have a soul, and they are all encompassed and housed by a body. We are a spirit, we have a soul, but it's housed in a body. Chris Hodges says this. I love, I love the powerful quote that's, that Pastor Chris Hodges says. He goes, listen, when your, when your soul and your body are hungry, they scream. But when your spirit is hungry, it's silent. What does that mean? Let's break it down. What that simply means is when your spirit is malnourished, what oftentimes happens is it goes quiet. This year, for some of us, because we didn't have the anchor of church the way it used to be or the way it once was, many of us have just abandoned the faith, gotten apathetic in the faith. Matter of fact, if you're watching this video, I commend you because so many people have just dipped out of their faith. And so when your spirit is hungry, it goes silent. And, and few of us really feed our spirit man. Have you been to the gym? I'm a frequent uh, flyer. I'm a, I'm a frequent gym uh, member uh, of a few different gyms, as a matter of fact. And so I walk up to this gym, and I've seen this guy happen a hundred times. I've seen this happen a hundred times, where there's a guy, he's got a huge, strong torso, traps out of the gym. Like, I mean, this guy is just yoked up, right? And so his traps connect to his ears. He doesn't even have a neck. He's got, he's got a neck trap. He's got a trap neck, just, dude, huge, yoked. Massive pecs. You see this guy's shoulder, his delts, his, his angel wings in the back. I'm just like, this guy's lats are ridiculous, but then if you just take a, look, a little glance down, you're just like, huge on the top. What are those, dude? What are those? Like, strong up top, skinny on bottom. You look like a bull on the top. You look like a chicken on the bottom. Like, what's happening? Yo, you skip leg day, bro? You ever seen this guy? I've seen this guy many times. And, and I made sure that I am proportionately, uh, you know, dense. I don't want to just have a strong torso and weak legs. Unfortunately, so many Christians look like this. They're successful in the world, but they're weak spiritually. <sighs> they're successful according to man's standards, but they are failures according to God's. Friend, how many people skip out on leg day? How many people skip out on their spirit? Your spirit is starving. It is malnourished. How do you feed your spirit? Before I give you how you feed your spirit, and I think these are just the spiritual disciplines, you've got to know your spirit is distracted. You're so distracted. So many of us are so distracted. We're, we're too busy. We're too busy. Oh my gosh. We, we can't stop doing stuff. We, but we, we don't focus on being. We focus on doing. And your spirit is literally starving. God just wants to connect with you again. He just misses you. He just misses you. And your spirit has been malnourished because your mind is distracted. It's distracted. Or you know what? It's busy. It's just so busy. I, you, whenever you ask a question to somebody nowadays, all it is is, how you doing? Oh, I'm just busy. I'm busy. Well, you need to, you need to cut the busyness. I'm going to get into this in, a, in another point. But you got to be careful. If you're too busy for ministry, if you're too busy, listen to me, for God, you are too busy. You're too busy. And a lot of times our spirits are not fed because we're just apathetic. We just don't care the same way. Listen, your spirit, man, is malnourished. It needs proper sustenance and food. Spirit food would be this. It is worship, word, prayer, even solitude, some people say. Solitude and service. Worship, word, prayer, solitude, service. Your, your spirit, man, needs to worship. Come on, I know corporate gatherings look a little different nowadays. 
But honestly, a corporate gathering should just be an overflow of your personal worship. Come on, I'm talking to the worship team right now. Personal worship is really what gets you through the week. And on Sunday mornings, in previous history, on Sunday mornings, what you're supposed to do is this just feels, everybody's worshiping together. This is incredible. I love this. Because you should be bringing, watch this, you should just be going to God's house. You should be bringing him to yours. It's personal worship. It's word. Come on, there's just something about the word. It just feeds my soul. It is soul food. And prayer. Listen, we're going to get to this in the next point. But prayer strengthens your spirit and counseling strengthens your soul. I'm going to get to that in a minute. Even solitude, being by yourself, not being distracted, even if it's for five minutes, just being alone with God and letting him speak. The reason so many of us can't hear the voice of the Lord is because we hear the voice of everything else. We can't hear his voice because we're distracted by so many others. And then service. We just need to serve our community, serve our people. And these things are spirit food. They strengthen your spirit. Here's the second question I want to ask is this. How's your spirit? Second, how's your soul? How is your soul? See, your soul is your mind, will, and emotions. Your soul needs strengthening. We heard this before. Prayer strengthens your spirit, but counseling strengthens your soul. How is your soul doing? This year has been chaotic. And unfortunately, so many of us, our soul is not very healthy. There's a scripture in uh, 3 John, 3 John chapter 1. It talks about John's saying this prayer. He prays, I pray that it will go well with your soul. And listen, as your soul goes, so your life goes. Your soul is really a connection in your relationship to the world. And then your spirit is your connection and relationship to God. So many of us are so distracted because we are bombarded by the world. And no wonder your soul is not healthy. There's a scripture in Jeremiah, I believe it's Jeremiah 6, I'm going to have the team put it uh, below me, but it talks about how people dress up wounds, and they say it's not serious, but it really is, and they say there's peace, but there's really no peace. It's an incredible passage, but it's a dangerous one, because I've seen a lot of people this year, and listen to me, listen to me, I've seen a lot of people this year, where they are good on the outside, but the inside they are bleeding, and they are so wounded. And they can just say, oh, I'm good. How you doing? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm feeling great. No, you're not. Your soul is, how is your soul? How is your soul? Your mind, your will, your emotions, your dreams, your imaginations. Are they broken? Are they wounded? Are they infected? How is your soul? Because here's what your soul needs. What your soul really needs, it needs conversation. Three things your soul needs. It needs conversation. It needs community, and it needs Christ. Conversation. You need to just get this stuff out. It's so important. You can think yourself toxic, by the way. But the way you think yourself toxic, the way you beat your mind is with your mouth. Write that down. The way you beat your mind is with your mouth. And so if you're just stuck in your head all day, no wonder you're, you're so toxic. No wonder your skin's breaking out. No wonder you have health issues because your soul is wounded. You can't just dress up your problems. That's what so many of us do. And we're just not honest with ourselves. And listen, you can't lead yourself. Watch. You can't lead yourself if you're lying to yourself. Man, this dude's preaching right now. Write that down in the chat, everybody. You can't lead yourself if you're lying to yourself. How is your soul? You need to ask that question today. How is my soul doing? Is my soul healthy? Is my soul being taken care of? Am I having conversations with people? I just need to process some stuff out with. That's why it's so important to be in community. So conversation and community. Being involved in community, you can just process some of your yesterdays out. And then you can make sure that you're going towards your future. But you can't get to your future if you don't process, grieve, and learn from your past. Conversation, community, but also Christ. There's a song 
Uh, this is his worship song, Run to the Father by Cody Carnes. He sings this line. It's my favorite line in the whole song. He goes, my soul found a friend. He talks about my soul found a friend. Can I tell you something? Your soul has a friend, and his name is Jesus. And there are some things that only God can do for your soul, for your mind, for your dreams, for your imagination, for your will, for your emotions. There are some things only God can heal. See, a therapist, what it would take 30 years, God can do in 30 seconds because you gave him your soul. And so we're going to get into that at the end of this message. But I just want to ask those two questions. How's your spirit? How's your soul? Third thing is this. This is going to be quick. How's your circle? How's your circle? I love, I love the scripture in Galatians. It talks about make careful exploration of who you are and then what you do. But I think so much of who we are is a result of the community and the circle that we surround ourselves by. We know this. A company of uh, fools suffers harm. But those who walk with the wise become wise. How is your circle doing this year? Before you move on to 2021, you got goals, you got visions, you got dreams, you got big things and big plans. It's amazing. Check your circle. Maybe there are some people in your car. If we're going back to the illustration of driving the car and looking in the rearview mirror, look at the passenger seats. Are they okay? Are they okay? Galatians 6, I believe it's verse 3, it says, you got to carry each other's burdens. This is a mandate from heaven. We have to carry each other's burdens. Your life shouldn't just be about your life. Oh my gosh, I'm preaching right now. Your life should not just be about your life. Check your circle. How is your circle doing? Are they okay? Are they healthy? Listen, I am so sick and tired of hearing prominent pastors, great leaders, great friends of mine falling and failing morally. I am so sick and tired of seeing people that are hurting, and they gave us carrots and told us so many times. They're giving us little carrots and just saying, I'm not doing okay. How you doing? Oh, I'm tired. I'm tired. How you doing? Um, I've had better days, but I'll be all right. And then we just pass on those conversations. Listen, I am just getting too aggressive nowadays. I'm just not going to let those conversations go by anymore. The Bible says that I am to carry my friends and my brother's burdens. And so when somebody says something like that, that should be a warning sign in your mind to say, I need to check on them. I need to make sure that they are okay. I need to make sure that they're going to finish. Because all too often people have, they live out of emptiness. Check your circle. How is your circle? How's your circle doing? Because listen, if I'm doing good, that means my crew, my circle, my squad, my, my family, my friends, my brothers, my sisters, my church family, my small group. That means they should be doing good. If I'm doing good, that should be translated. And if they're hurting, I'm hurting. Come on, we, those who refresh others, are they themselves refreshed? Galatians 6.3, carry each other's burdens. I am so sick and tired of hearing, people, of hearing about people failing, people not making it, people getting divorced, people getting sick, people not taking care of their body, and then destruction happens. It's time to be the church. It's time to be a Jesus follower, where we don't just let things, chaos happen all the time, but we are watching and making sure that our circle is taken care of, and our circle is healthy. Check your circle. Check your circle. How's your spirit? How's your soul? How's your circle? Number four, how's your Sabbath? Oh, I'm going to step on some toes real quick, DJ. How's your Sabbath? I wrote this down in my notes, and I think it's really important. If you don't take a break, you will. I'm not saying that out of a threat. I'm saying if you don't take a break, you're going to break. God has designed humanity not to go at the speed of Boston, 
Certainly not Boston. The American culture is not meant. Uh, listen, here's, here's my philosophy. I don't live to work. I work to live. I live so that, one, I can honor God, I can inspire people, I can love my family. And you know what? I can enjoy life. I was watching this Instagram Live the other day, and there was this person that came on this Instagram Live with another uh, worship leader, and they started calling him out on worship, uh, on, on how he's misleading people. And he goes, Jesus never laughed. He goes, you have too much joy. I'm like, dude, what is wrong with you, dude? Your theology is so jacked up. Listen, if you don't read Ecclesiastes, if you don't see Jesus' life, if you don't see him playing with children, if you don't see God's design of creation, God has designed us to enjoy life. Can I get an amen from somebody in this chat today? I don't just work so that, I don't just live so that I can work. I work so I can live. But the goal is not to drive myself and pile drive myself into the ground. Listen, you need to take a break. You need to rest. And many of us, listen to me, many of us are violating God's commandment, the Sabbath. You will not last if you don't laugh and if you don't rest. Are you violating the Sabbath? How's your Sabbath? How's your Sabbath? Now, here's what this means. This does not mean that you just sit down and you sit on a couch and be a couch potato and eat potato chips all day. That's not what it means. Sabbath simply just means do not produce. There should be a day. God models this for us. There should be a day where we just don't produce. I'm reading this book right now. It's an incredible book. I would highly, highly recommend it. It's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Homer. Incredible read. And so I'm reading this and he's talking about the speed at which Americans go. It's just chaotic. It's unsustainable. And so I'm like, I actually felt pretty good because I have a good Sabbath. Mondays are my Sabbath. I shut off my phone for the most part. I spend time with my family. We've had amazing family times this year. It's been awesome. And so I'm thinking to myself, like, you know, I'll pat myself on the back. I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing a good job. And he talks about the speed at which we do stuff, the speed at which we work, the speed at which we go about our calendar, the speed at which working too many hours, all this kind of stuff. And it's a cultural phenomenon where we are patted on the back because of how many hours you work. Listen, if you're working like 60, 70 hours a week and you have family, you're neglecting your family. I'm going to come at you. You're neglecting your family. You need to take care of your family. Workaholics kill families way more than alcoholics do. You need Sabbath. You need rest. Your family needs you. God needs you. You need to have longevity and last in this thing. I'm reading this book, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm doing pretty good. And then I look down at the book. I'm reading, I'm listening to this book on Audible at 2.5 speed, and I'm like super convicted. I'm like, (laughs) I'm reading this book at like twice the speed it's supposed to go. It just showcases, listen, we got a problem in our society. There is this hurry sickness is what it's called. Where literally anxiety is running to you. And, and in the book, the quote says this. I thought it was so brilliant. He says this. He goes, uh, anxiety is like a canary in a coal mine. Essentially what he's saying is anxiety. When anxiety hits, it's your human, it's your body communicating to you. You need to stop this and you need to redirect this. So the anxiety you're feeling likely is a fact that you're going way too fast at an unsustainable pace. And your body is telling you, stop that. It's a canary in a coal mine. And so here's what Sabbath really is, is you pause, you pray, and you play. You pause, you pray, and you play. You don't produce anything on Sabbath. That doesn't mean you're not doing stuff. That just means you're doing stuff that you delight in. You you delight in your heavenly father. You take extended time to just pray, to worship, to study, to get to know him more, 
to be with your family, to delight in your family. What I did on my Sabbath, oftentimes I played basketball on Monday nights. There's something about just being in a competitive environment that was restful for me. It's kind of crazy, but I know. Um, it's pausing, stop working, stop producing. It's praying, take extended time with God. Listen, video games and, and watching Netflix is not going to refresh your soul. Jesus will. That's why you got to pray. Take extended time to just spend time with God and then play. Enjoy yourself. I'm so sick and tired of all, how many Christians are so boring. Come on, the Christian life is not supposed to be a boring life. And we are a misrepresentation of Jesus if you are a boring Christian. Oh my gosh. Let me say that again. You are a misrepresentation of Jesus if you are a boring Christian. I have come to an, take an assault on boring Christianity. That is not how we were designed to do it. Uh, Romans chapter 14. The kingdom of God is about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Ecclesiastes talks about eat, drink, and be merry. That doesn't mean get drunk, by the way. I just need to clarify that for some of my, some of my friends and family on here. And so how is your Sabbath going? How's your spirit? How's your soul? How's your circle? How's your Sabbath? Last one is this. How is your succession? How is your succession? Do you have a succession plan? Because if there's anything that this year has taught us, is that things that we thought would be anchors are absolutely not. I was driving in downtown in my town the other day, and I'm just seeing business close, this business close, an entire grocery store, a huge plaza, completely vacant right now. And the things that we thought were anchors in the community, actually, they're not. They didn't last. And so the things that we thought would last have not lasted, which means I have to think beyond my time. I have to, have to, I have to think about the next generation, the future. Discipline is when the future says thank you, by the way. And so we have to be thinking with this legacy succession mindset. I love this scripture in Proverbs. It talks about a wise man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. So he's not just thinking about his kids, his kin. He's thinking about the future. He's thinking about the future generations. And so I think all of us need to take inventory. How is my succession plan? I would, th I would think in three categories. It's not exhaustive. There's more to this, but financial relational and eternal. How is your succession plan financially? You know why it's so important to hustle, to work, to invest, to save, to get out of debt? Why, why this next year at Connect, we're going to be focusing heavily on making sure you're financially free and you can build wealth. Not get rich, but build wealth so that we can lay down inheritance for the, our children's children, the future generation. It's time to get financially literate, church family. And so we're going to get free financially. I want you to get free relationally. We're going to be focusing on marriage and family next year, parenting next year. I'm so excited about it. And so we got to make sure that our, our relationships are strong. I said it before. I'm going to say it again. Workaholics kill families way more than alcoholics do. It is time, Father, to prioritize your family. Stop working so much and neglecting your wife and your family. It is time to work, not on work. It is time to work on your family. But more than anything, succession plan eternally. That scripture, it says we leave an inheritance for our children's children. And it's not, listen to me, it's not just what you put in their hand. It's also what you put in their heart. It's a belief system. It's their morality. It's their North Star. It is wisdom. The key thing is wisdom to put it in your children's children. I don't want to just be known for passing down wealth and money to my kids. I want to pass down wisdom. I want to pass down the gospel to my kids. And you know what I think about? I think about Jesus. Jesus, he didn't just think, I'm here today, gone tomorrow. Jesus, his whole life had a succession plan. 
at year 30, Jesus started doing public ministry, but he was training and discipling his disciples. Who was his succession plan? The disciples. Who is his succession plan now? His disciples, a.k.a. you and me. What was his plan? He was going to train and equip the disciples, but he was going to equip them with his Holy Spirit. Jesus had a succession plan. Friend, it is time to have a succession plan for you. Come on, 2021. you got to ask yourself, how's your spirit? How's your soul? How's your circle? How's your Sabbath? And how's your succession? I'll close with this. I played football in high school. And I played for a couple years. I had a blast. Um, to be honest, I was a decent athlete. Uh, we had a terrible team. But we had a lot of fun on our team. We had, some, we had some competitors, don't get me wrong. But we just did not win games. And what would really happen every single week, we'd have Friday Night Lights, be incredible, we loved the game, we didn't get the results we wanted necessarily, but the next day what would happen, and this is what we all dreaded, we all dreaded this, we would go from the game, and then we would go to the film room. So Friday night, we're all banged up, we lost, we're frustrated, and then the next day what we had to do was we had to go into the film room and just evaluate all our mistakes. It would be hours. I'd sit in a classroom with all my team, all my buddies, all my crew, and then they would just pick apart play by play by play. And if you had a play in your head where you're like, I know I made a mistake, I missed a tackle, I ran the wrong route, I didn't do the right thing, you knew you were going to be ridiculed in front of everybody. Oh, it was the worst feeling in the world. I don't want that to be you. I don't want that to be any of us. Where one day we get to the film room of heaven and we're sitting with Jesus and we're overlooking and reflecting our entire life. We're taking a careful exploration of who we are and what we did. And we didn't sink ourselves into our work. We compared ourselves to other people. And we didn't take full responsibility for our lives. I pray you and I never have to have that conversation with God. But when we get to heaven one day and we're in heaven's film room and we're overlooking our entire life from our past, we'd be able to see, I took care of my spirit. I was in right relationship with God. I took care of my soul. I made sure that I was healthy so that my circle could be healthy. I rested so that I could last. I rested so I lasted. And then lastly, I had a succession plan. My life is not just for my life. That my life is actually going to make a difference in other people's lives. I took care of, here's another acronym, I took care of my heart, I took care of my home, and whatever my hands found to do, I did it with all of my might. I pray that when we get to heaven, and we get into heaven's film room, we'll be able to look over with Jesus and say, I took very good care and stewardship of my life. I don't want you to get to the end of your life, and you're in heaven, and you were a successful American, but you were a failure as a Christian. It is the art of doing nothing well. May all of us finish well. And before you go into 2021, take careful inventory of 2020. Can I pray for you? Father, I pray that as I ask these questions, all of us would, would keep them in our hearts, that we would examine ourselves. We would take careful exploration of who we are, what we do. We would remove comparison, jealousy, anger, frustration, hurt from our hearts, and we would take care of our hearts. Father, that we would prioritize our homes and that whatever our hands find to do, we do it with all of our might. Now, if you're watching online, I want you to keep your heads bowed and eyes closed, wherever you're watching from. Some of us, 
What is your succession plan? Especially eternally. You know you're not going to last forever. I believe the statistic is 70 to 80 years on this earth. What is your plan for after earth? I'm telling you, the succession plan for all of us is Jesus. He is the bridge from earth to heaven. And he's how you have a life that lasts. How do you live forever? You live forever with Jesus. And the thing is, you don't even have to work for it. You can't earn it. Your righteousness, your good works, your good behavior is like filthy rags, the Bible says. All you have to do is by grace through faith, put your faith in him, understanding that Jesus gave us this gift of eternal life. And all you have to do is put your belief in him. He is the one, the only, in the true way to get to heaven. And all you have to do is confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is your Lord and you will be saved. So I want to I pray that prayer with you. And if that's you, would you click that button below? We have a team that wants to help you and kind of guide you through this. This is the most important decision you can make in your entire life. Before you ask any other questions, ask, how's your spirit? Is your spirit healthy? Is your spirit right with God? I want to ask that question today. And on three, I'm going to ask you to shoot your hand up or click that button and just say, I want to give my life to Jesus. One, Jesus loves you. Two, today's your day. Don't wait another minute. Three, if that was you, click that button or shoot your hand up. And I want you to pray this prayer after me. Say, Jesus, I repent of my sin and I ask you to forgive me. Thank you, God, for dying on the cross for me, a sinner. And I needed a savior. Today, I'm going to take careful inventory of my spirit, of my soul, of my circle, even my Sabbath, and certainly my succession plan. I want to make sure that I am healthy and my life I am ridiculously responsible for. So Father, help me to live this life well and live this life as a successful American and a successful Christian. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen and amen. I love you, church family. 2021, best is yet to come.